Hello and welcome to Perspective. This is a show by founders of digital creative agencies giving our perspective on starting and running our own companies. Their aim is to provide some useful advice and inspiration to others as well as learn from each other and others we get to come talk on the show. This is our 23rd episode. My name is John Dark. I'm a director at Every Interaction. Back with me again today we've got Dan Gent from Lighthouse London. Hello Dan. Hey John, how's it going? All right, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm reeling from the snap election. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking back to our Brexit episodes and I'm wondering if we were overly positive. I feel, <laughs> like, I feel like we were. I can't bring myself to listen back. But yeah, other than that, I'm doing well. Yeah, I, yeah I'm worried and a little bit confused about <laughs> the whole thing. Good. Let's not podcast about it then. <laughs> no, <laughs> I feel I'll very quickly get out of my depth if we try that. <laughs> it's been a while since we recorded. I take it you've been very busy. Absolutely. Can't remember what on, but I suppose today's episodes might reveal the methods by which I tried to be busy or tried not to be busy, depending on your perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So today we're hoping to talk about productivity as a business owner. So what do we mean by that? Uh, I guess I guess running a business, there's a lot to do and a lot of a lot of balls to keep to keep in the air, to keep juggling and to try and feel like you're being productive as you're progressing with your business and, and with your daily work. And I guess we just wanted to talk about how we manage that and how that's changed with us through our businesses as a, as they've grown to where they are today. Yeah, it's so different from a day-to-day job. I mean, not a day-to-day job, a full-time job where you're working for someone else. The kind of entire meaning of productivity changes, I think, as you're uh, as you try to run your own business. And I've definitely, it's definitely something that like occupies my mind a lot. Like as if there's a feeling that if I could achieve perfect productivity, then everything would be great and any day that I feel I'm not achieving perfect productivity, especially when someone's not directly paying you, you know, it's, it feels, it just feels like, well, why am I sitting here at this desk at all? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, when you're being employed by someone else, you're hired generally to do a very specific thing. And all you have to do is be focused on doing that one major role. As a founder of a company, you, you tend to have to wear a lot of different hats and those hats change in size and shape and priority as your business grows and as you hire different people do different things along the way. When when you're hired by another company, there's there's so much stuff that you are purposely shielded from that they hire lots of people to do very specific things, lots of mundane day-to-day running the business responsibilities that's you are shielded from by them hiring these people. So when you come to start your own business, you suddenly have to to do all of this stuff on your own or with co-founders. And yeah, quite frankly, there's a lot to do as well as actually getting the work done. Yeah, I feel at the beginning, I think it's a problem that gets worse the more you know, right? So at the beginning of starting out on a, you know with Lighthouse, as you're saying there, there's there's loads of different roles you've got to play. But I think at the beginning, I just ignored a lot of those roles and was <laughs> yeah, like, me too. "I was like, no, my business is going to be different. It's not going to require some of these roles that I don't attribute any value to. I'm going to be a designer till I die." Yeah, absolutely. And basically, people are going to look at the design, and that is the sales process. They will just want to hire me. And I think like as you go along and you learn more about all the things you need to do and you kind of get into running a business, so you start actually actively seeking out information on how best to run businesses, that you that that suddenly the entire weight of all the stuff you've got to do hits you. And I think you worry about it way more. I think at the beginning, I was just naive. I probably probably way more productive from a um, you know, output point of view, like actually creating things than I am now but I probably wasn't that productive in terms of the intangibles of running a business you know yeah exactly and even if you are aware of all the things that need to be done you can't do it all there's just not enough time in the day and you've got to focus and prioritize 
when people start businesses, it's usually just themselves or themselves and one or two other co-founders, most common scenario. And everyone is really quite focused on production. They're not doing a lot of the other things that, quite honestly, they probably need to worry about at that stage. They really just need to worry about getting new business in and making sure they do a really good job of it so that they get more new business. And that in turn will lead to some growth. I think it's when the growth starts happening and you start hiring some other people that things starting start to get a little bit more complicated. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose the things I wish I'd done a bit differently that I probably do now is, and this is something I think you might have said to me way back when, was the idea of being aware of all those different roles you require and almost saying, okay, fine, so I am sitting across HR, marketing, sales, you know, all, all the different roles of business is me. Mm-hmm. If you're aware of that, then you can at least see the things you should be doing. And this is what I mean by bit, you know, it getting worse as you learn more, seeing all the things you should be doing but aren't. And I think with a lot of those things, like even from a, like a, a finance point of view, you're not going to spend a lot of your time looking at, at the numbers, probably not as much as you should, you need to be aware of it. And I think if I just put in place like literally a piece of software, so I think, I mean, we did with finance, right? So we did get free agent or something like that in place so that right from the off, there wasn't a load of bad stuff to undo because I think from a productivity point of view, that's a that's a killer, right? That you come to the point where you realize you need something, but the business just has ignored being set up for it. So from a sales point of view, it's like just have a like CRM really early on. Like you don't need to do anything with it, but if you're capturing all of that data and just if all your contacts are in one place and it has records of all the conversations you had with those people. You might never look at it, but the day that it comes to say, hey, we're going to do some sales now, like let's look at our clients, it's there, right? And you're not going, oh, well, to do that, I'm going to have to go back through my Gmail history and that's going to take months. So then you actually become even more unproductive because you put off stepping up that side of things, if that makes sense. So it's almost like having just doing a tiny bit in each area and then re- and then recognizing that you're going to be able to you, that you you're going to ignore it now like you're not going to think about that side of the business you haven't got time when you're three people you don't need a, a dedicated person doing HR full time you know? no it's just not necessary or even finance uh, or maybe even new business it's about delegating I mean it's important to recognize you need to do something in each of those areas it's just about trying to figure out how much in order to support what you are today and give you the growth that you're looking for. Yeah, and just make sure that when it come when when you come to scaling, there's not a load of stuff to unpick. You know, you haven't like run an entire side of the business on a few scraps of paper that should have been in a spreadsheet. So you don't have to like do lots of work to get back to a place where you can start to expand that side of the business. Yeah, I'm terrible with names of things um, such as books, but there's there's that famous business book. I've completely forgot the name of, and I'm sure we've referred to you many times, that talks about, you know, the sort of roles and the hats and and writing the rule book essentially for each one of the, the roles as you do it so that mm. when you come to hire for that, there's a sort of training manual in place already. Yes. And then you move on to the next job in the stack once you hire for that role and you do the same process again and you slowly move your way up the ladder and document everything you're doing in order to perform the actions of that role until it's big enough to hire someone to do it full time yeah absolutely you're kind of on a mission to continually make yourself like redundant basically (laughs) yes but never never actually succeeding in doing so (laughs) yeah yeah. well hopefully not unless you become whatever if redundant is falling out the bottom of a company whatever like flying off the top is (laughs) that's that's a model that i think can work you know the richard branson model yeah i suppose so if it doesn't, you know, if the business in the end doesn't need you, that's not necessarily a bad thing, assuming you still own the business. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, that's great. And that's, that's a lot of people's ambition, right? To be able to yeah. get to a position like that where they, they effectively don't need to do much work, but can 
can bring in the money because they've done the hard work to get the business to where it is. I also think it's actually simultaneously it's a healthy sign of a healthy business if it's not reliant on a person. It means that those roles are well defined, they that you know how to easily find people to fill them and that those people are successful there. It's sort of like a it's it's a symptom being able to do that is as well as being good for the founder is also actually a sign of a business that's doing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So what about like personal productivity though? If that's if that's kind of productivity in terms of how it changes as you go along, like having to do all this stuff and then slowly becoming more and more general, how do you kind of manage stuff you got to do each day? That is in a state of constant flux. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a system I think that's that's perfect by any means, but I use a lot of different tools and a lot of different things to try and help me remember all the things that I need to do and make mm-hmm. sure that they get done. So a lot of project-based tasks um, that needs to be to be seen and collaborative, we keep in Trello. Uh-huh. So for each project, we keep a board with all of the sort of active tasks uh, where we can have conversations around those and keep people updated on what's going on as a team to keep a general distributed communal list of tasks and statuses of things as a project progresses. And that's where your your tasks all live in there as well? Some, yeah, but it's more where I document the tasks that I'm of the people I'm managing. Okay, and give feedback on on the work that needs to be done or is being done. Got you. So quite often I'll create a, a project board for for a piece of work up front, uh, based on usually at the beginning of a project. Once we've won it as part of the pitching process, we would usually do a sort of similar exercise usually in a spreadsheet to start with where we document the stories of a, of a project and then those stories might form the initial sort of tasks that you need to do and then that might populate the initial Trello board and then you would go into each card and try and break down the tasks at another granular level and start assigning responsibilities. Got you. Where does your, um, I know, like a catch up with this member of staff or remember to talk to HMRC about this, that, and the other. Well, thankfully, I, I rely on Neil for all the HMRC uh. stuff. <laughs> he's, he's got the finance hat in the business. <laughs> right, got you. I've got, I've got a few others. But I am a massive advocate of using my calendar a lot. Okay. I really, really use my calendar, and I, I use it quite religiously to block out time uh, for meetings and calls and reminders and things if i if i have a scheduled call with someone it goes in the calendar everyone's invited all the details are there all the dialing so i don't need to go Mm -hmm. anywhere else i can look at my calendar for the day and see what's ahead and know what time i have to be productive in Mm -hmm. doing other things and what time i need it's where i schedule all my communication time essentially if i need to be in a meeting how do i get there what's the travel time what calls do i need to be on what stand-ups conferences uh all sorts of things like that wherever i'm doing sort of communication or away from the desk time it's in there uh, i even put sleep in my calendar i'm that rigorous about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i've got quite a few different calendars for different things but in my personal calendar in particular i put sleep because i need a lot of sleep i need my eight hours a day or i was going to say I, I mean eight hours a day yes fine but if i've got a calendar for sleep are you scheduling naps <laughs> no, I don't. I don't do naps. I just, I just do my eight hours in in the week and more at the weekends. Right, got you. Uh, but I, I just put it in there so that I know nothing is ever going to interrupt with it. I, nothing can overlap with it. There will be a conflict if I put anything in there when I'm supposed to be sleeping. And it, <laughs> I've also got a an alert timer set up so that at quarter past ten I get my calendar alarm from my calendar going. Oh, it's time to get ready to go to bed. Whatever you're doing right now like it stop doing it soon and get ready to go to bed because you need to be sleeping soon and how excellent to be able to tick that off your to-do list (laughs) exactly (laughs) so that that works well for me in terms of those activities i have just i I use to-do lists quite a lot a few Mm to-do list apps i'm an advocate of using different apps for different purposes so Sure. For example, I run a couple of Twitter accounts and I've got a couple of Twitter clients on my phone. And I, Instead of switching accounts within the apps, which is usually a real pain in the ass to do, I just mm-hmm. have a different app installed running that particular Twitter account. Okay, yeah. But I do the Makes same sense. thing with 
to-do lists. So I've got a personal to-do list, which has got loads of things I do, which is mostly sort of my home and weekend tasks around the house and fixing things and helping helping my partner with her business and mm-hmm. all sorts of other sort of domestic duties. I keep in one app. And in another app, I just, just recently switched to trying to do it. I put uh, business-related things, which I categorize by project. Okay. And I try to put a date on each of those. And then you've got this sort of handy today view of, of other tasks of things that you know you need to do today. And some of those might be relating to calendar entries, but often they're more sort of things that I need to get done that day to make sure I'm being productive, I guess. And did you come up with this all by yourself or are you one of the people that reads up on how to be productive? Not really. I don't, I don't really read up on that sort of thing. I'm not a proponent of picking up somebody else's philosophy and trying to apply it to mm. my productivity in life. I'm, I don't think anyone does that religiously anyway. They just take bits and, and sort of customize it. Oh, I don't know. But, I think there's I think there's some productivity junkies out there. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm definitely not one of those. I'm, I'm more <laughs> of a, I borrow from things I've heard people talk about. Yeah. I never study these things in depth and follow them religiously. That's just, I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. Like if, I, if I'm cooking, if I got a recipe book, I'll like scan the recipe at the beginning and then make it up as I go along after that based on what I remembered from my scan and improvise. Because <laughs> I think I can do it better. <laughs> and I don't like following the rules. <laughs> right, I like it. And I try well, to apply the same philosophy to my to my sort of task management. And I, yeah, a little bit from here, a little bit from there, lots of yeah. different things for different purposes. Everything has a sort of focus and I go to certain places to do certain things. And as a system, as a whole, it's sort of, works for me uh, i guess you never forget to go to sleep for a start yeah (laughs) i mean so i quite like the idea of having a system and then there's a lot of systems out there you getting things done have you heard of that oh yeah i've heard people talk a lot about Mm, that yeah absolutely but my problem with a lot of these things is they're so easy to like they all proclaim perfection in productivity right so mm-hmm. you read you get these medium posts where you get you know founder of x y and z startup or or this person taking you through their like morning routine and things like that and it's the same as when people release code snippets on blogs you know it's like not realistic mm-hmm. coding it's it's been kind of completely made beautiful for the situation it's in it's not something that would ever happen in the real world because people just well maybe not out of my fingers though um it's like an unsolicited redesign on dribble where someone has you're right redesigned linkedin or imdb or something but completely forgot to include any advertising which are the business models of his entire website so that's nice but that website wouldn't exist if it looked like that because there's no advertising in it (laughs) absolutely it's like this kind of it's this fake version of of reality and you sort but you read all these but people kind of latch onto it and say oh i'm i'm gonna try that method you know and they they do it with their with their diets and stuff i don't you know if the people in the startup world trying to like optimize themselves by fasting and all this sort of stuff that kind of they, they get on with. Oh, like the Soylent thing where people just yeah. don't have time to eat, so they just have a shake instead. Completely. And people go absolutely oh, mad man. for it. And the crazy thing to me is that most of these people, it's like the things that they're actually celebrated for are building a great software product. You know, and you just think, well, if you're going to take something from that person's life, try and work out how they did that it really doesn't matter what they do when they wake up in the morning if they read two chapters of a book meditate eat some soylent and then <laughs> and then one of the ones that very much annoyed was and then connect with their family as if that's kind of a a choice that you can do that an hour after waking up i mean <laughs> my my family connect with me viscerally at like 6 a.m at the latest you know there's no there's no option for me to go oh right yeah wait i've got to meditate a bit before um before <laughs> on, I wa- family before Hold i watch hot, yeah, before <laughs> i watch two hours of cbb's <laughs> but people get very into it and getting things done and i think i kind of get wrapped up in that like i think oh if i could just find the thing that that would organize everything because i if I feel unproductive or I like get to the end of the day and I haven't felt productive, like I actually 
just puts me in a mood. I feel I become like demotivated. I just feel like crap about everything. So I think I'm just searching for the feeling of productivity because it's very hard to actually measure impacts like of a day's work. Like, especially when you're running a company when it's like, well, today I had a pointless, seemingly pointless, uh, you know, half an hour chat with an old friend who works for a different company that in three months could turn into a quarter of next year's revenue because they decided, you know, that something I said then, you know, it was it was just a connection, but it's turned into some business, you know, versus, you know, head down writing blogs that no one cares about. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you, it's very hard to measure the actual outputs. And so I'm always looking for ways to at least trick myself into feeling productive. So as well as having the to-do list, I think, for me, one thing that works is making sure there's like a done list. So uh, somewhere you can look back on and go, those are all the things I did today. And they were all they were all interruptions because you basically just get interrupted the entire time as a business owner, as far as I can tell. Yeah, they're all interruptions. They were all scrappy. None of it was like, oh, I spent two hours doing what I used to do, you know, a nice bit of programming or something. And when it's all like that, it's very hard to actually go, what did I actually achieve today? I feel like if you were like nothing felt worthy of timing, you know what I mean? Nothing felt worthy of starting and stopping a clock on. But you need something to be like, well, I need something to say stuff did happen today. And, you know, here's what you spent your time on. And I think that's also useful from then, even if you're not like, I, I agree with you, you've, you've just got to come up with your own system like you you can't you know maybe getting things done will work for you but i think just so long as you know nothing's going to give you perfect productivity so as long as you have your own system i think then just some way of just being aware of it like how well is it working how much are you getting done can you reduce those interruptions to do that you need to know how often you're getting interrupted so again it's about having trying to have some kind of data on what you're doing to then be able to improve that probably as good as you as you're gonna get like i've i feel immense guilt when i'm not productive but at the same time how can you be productive all the time you just can't you know no exactly i just remembered there's another bit of software i use actually i've got this little tracker thing on my computer called rescue time oh yeah you heard of this? <laughs> it's like a little, little background sniffer thing. It just records what your application is using, and it sends. I've just got it set to send a weekly summary of things. Looking at my uh, my past week, which I logged twenty six hours and six minutes of productive time. I had a productivity score of seventy four percent. But that's yeah, based makes on me feel better already. <laughs> <laughs> but that's based on what you told it, right? Because I used to use that. Yeah. I used to use that, and it was like its problem is it's got no context, has it? It's kind of like well, you have to give it context, right? So here, here we go: top applications and websites. Four hours fifty in mail, three hours twenty three in Slack. So is four <laughs> hours fifty in mail good or bad? I find I, that's productive for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when I'm this is on my work computer only, uh, for which I only use you know for work purposes at my desk in the office, and the only mail I'm dealing with there is is client mail. Yep. It's like sending reports, replying to clients and new business inquiries and general sort of project communications back and forth. Uh yeah, so that's very productive. That's that's tagged as a very productive task. Cool. What have <laughs> you got down as unproductive? Slack is medium. Oh, sketch. I was I was in sketch for two hours last week and in design for an hour and a half. Wow. And one hour, ten minutes in Google Docs. It all sounds good. What do you count? What do you count sleeping as? <laughs> that doesn't get tracked in rescue time. No. It could probably track that though. He hasn't moved in a while. I do. I do track my sleep, but not in rescue time. Fine. Because <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I use apps to track my sleep because I feel it's very important to my productivity in general and at work. And uh, yeah, I, I like to know that I am getting enough of it. You're not going to do that. Um... I was reading a few things of the guy, the base camp people. They were getting so into sleep, they were starting to talk about like incentivizing their staff to sleep more. I kind of got it, but also thought it's a little bit scary to start. 
<laughs> telling people when they should be asleep or not. Um, Here we go. Uh, my unproductive time last week. YouTube. I spent 38 minutes on YouTube, apparently. I oh, think, man. I think that was, that was work. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking up some videos to do the project. Uh, are you just not tempted to do it on your phone? Like, to hide it from rescue time? <laughs> no, I, I, I basically I try not to use my mobile at all when I'm, I'm at my desk. Actually, mm. I find because it is distracting. Uh, I try to do everything through the computer. Nice. Which for some things is a little bit more limiting. So do you ha- do you have like email rules and things like that? Like I will check my. So these are other things you can read a ton of articles on. Check your emails twice a day. I've been guarded with my email time at times, but generally I just always lapse back to jumping to an email as soon as i receive it Mm. assuming i'm at my desk if i'm not at my desk then you know it can wait i don't i don't even i don't have push notifications or even um manual uh, automatic fetching on my work email on my my personal device i'll have to manually open and manually send and receive the app in order to get new mail into my work addresses on my phone my personal phone because you know um i don't let that enter my my life outside of work too much mm. i only have um push, push notifications for uh, a select few people allowed on my on any device i like it but that being said when i'm at my desk and i get a mail i generally whatever i'm doing drop everything and go and read it which is not the best thing to do I don't that's think, a massive for, for trying no-no. to remain productive yeah it's a massive no-no if, if you do a lot of production work but even if you're like in the middle of writing a document or doing some any other task, just just being distracted like that and switching your brain to something else is, yeah, generally not considered to be a very good thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I look at it as a, normally it's a symptom. If I'm feeling unproductive, if I'm doing things like jumping onto email, it normally means there's something about the thing I'm doing that I should be like. It's not a task. It's either it's it's either not a task I want to do, like it can be a boring task or it could be like a task that I should be doing but I'm kind of scared to, like I've got to write a difficult email to a client about this, that or the other. And so I kind of am like, oh, email has arrived. I will <laughs> check that, you know, or even I'll be like, find myself checking the email when I should when I actually meant to be writing it because I sort of want something to make me too busy to do it you know Mm -hmm. yeah I'm always torn with it because you know we're running a service company we're we're providing a service and people expect a good level of service for Mm. the good money they're paying and if you're all if you're a bit too high and mighty about your communications and people just feel neglected and they don't feel like they're getting a good service and that affects your relationship and potential new business with that client in the future so it's, it's all about keeping them happy but you know there still is a balance you don't have to reply to everything absolutely immediately no you don't you don't that's interesting <laughs> so what other tools do you use dan i have like a trello board personal one yeah personal well yeah it's a personal it's it's for personal work tasks every now and again a personal task gets onto it but mm. looks so out of place. It's I don't like it there. Um, get, get your hair cut. Yeah, I have a Google. <laughs> yeah, I have a uh, I have a, rem- a Google notification every so many months to get my hair cut that I ignore. Um, <laughs> I have another one to check everything's okay with the car, which I ignore. Um, <laughs> check how how do you check that everything's okay with the car? <laughs> when you oh, pop okay. open the bonnet scratch your chin oh it all looks good to me yes John <laughs> you check like levels of things I don't serious? know I don't know I'm a very bad car owner but I know that <laughs> I know that you're meant to like check things every now and again but I'll yeah, find out you, you take it to the garage every year and get a service done uh, can't do it. yeah it's not 1970 well that would be another that would be another notification in my calendar. So yeah, I have a few <laughs> a few legacy uh, productivity bits going on that I generally get ignored. Then yeah, I've just got this Trello list where everything that's like a dump for everything I think of. I have a quite nice little widget on my on my phone, which is basically mm-hmm. like 
just a one button create a Trello card. And so if I think of anything like, oh, need to pay that person their expenses, like just write in there, it'll end up in the list. And then at the beginning of each day, I try and just have a look at that list and cut triage. out some bits that, yeah, triage it a bit. And then I don't want to tell you how much stuff's on that list organized into all <laughs> kinds of ridiculous columns going going off to the right, just things I've thought of, things I'm going to read one day. And yeah, so it's kind of, but but at the, at the center of it all, there is like this kind of inbox list, which at least makes sure I remember everything. And then, yeah, like you, I use calendar. I did try doing a thing which nearly works, which is like where you like kind of proactively put spaces in your calendar for stuff. So you say, here, I'm going to be doing project work. Here, I'm available for meetings. But it doesn't work with doing what I'm doing because that's too restrictive on on actually getting stuff done. You know, meetings going to happen when everyone's available. It doesn't really matter if I've said that I'm supposed to be doing something else at that time that's going to get ignored. And then as soon as you start ignoring it, that, that system's gone. So, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, why I, I keep a work calendar just for those those communication times so that I know those can't be moved. And then mm. I use Calendly a lot to help allow people to book time slots for, Ooh, for yeah, things. Okay. And then so that looks for those spaces and will only present the available time slots within the rules that I've defined in that app. Or if people need more flexibility I, I just send them the public um the google calendar url so that they can see the available spots without seeing any details of what i'm doing um, got you and and then just pick a time that suits suits them and so are you like pro meetings or anti-meetings because this is another one you see there's no these are there's plenty if you google that articles about toxic meetings <laughs> oh my god it goes, goes to the point where you're scared to actually accept a meeting invite in case that person's secretly trying to trick you into look liking, uh, looking like a unproductive idiot. I mean, I, I, I'm generally in favour of any kind of communication that helps the project. Mm. And I'm, I think the more communication you have on a project, the better the outcome. Whether that's a face-to-face meeting, whether it's a phone meeting, whether it's... You know, everyone's already in the same room, so it doesn't matter so much, or whether people have to travel and or dial in at different times and different time zones. You know, it's, it's worth making the effort to make sure meetings happen. I don't think meetings for meetings' sake make any sense. They need to be productive. Mm. But because of the types of things we work on, the, most of the clients we work with, we don't end up in a lot of meetings. I think only when you work with much larger companies do you end up in meetings where you, you know, you think, well, what on earth am I doing here? This seems to be a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. Most of the the project, most of the meetings we're in, we've arranged, and so they have a purpose. Got you. Yeah. So I, I love a meeting. That's <laughs> <laughs> where you shine, is it now? Yeah. That's one of, I want to sit in them all. Well, I do end up seeing them all day, <laughs> but they do. Yeah. I mean, they do take. I I always worry how much of other people's time they're taking up, as in people that should be doing other work. But I do like them as, you know, I think you're right. I think got to make sure you're constantly talking and meetings are a pretty good way of doing that. Depends what you define as a meeting though. Would you call a stand-up a meeting? I would. Yeah, I mean, it's an interruption to everyone. Mm. Yeah, but it's pretty important to the, the productivity yeah. of the project. It is, absolutely. And also I feel like there's problems on projects that just everyone can solve. You know, I'm quite, I'm quite keen on setting a time to actually work on a piece of design together or something like that you know making sure that time's there to properly kick off things like mm-hmm. make sure everyone knows what's going on and i think you you can always look at those meetings and say well you know what they're doing there they're taking up a lot of time but hopefully they save time later on that's that's the problem with productivity it's 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 how you measure it you know yeah i mean i i don't think i ever come away from very very rarely come away from a day at work and think today was not productive that's really frustrating when it does happen but i think it's all about it's all about perception and mm-hmm. you know some some people just don't like meetings i guess and if they're in a couple of meetings in a day they'll come up because they're really focused on production work or something and that's that's their t- that's their job and they, they really yeah. feel like that's what they want to be doing and that's what they enjoy but they may come away from a meeting a day full of meetings thinking oh man that was really unproductive 
but I don't. I mean, any anything I feel I've done to contribute to a project, I feel like I've been productive. Anything I feel like I've contributed to the business in general, including things that aren't currently projects, I feel like I've I've been productive. We've got stuff done. It was worth coming into work today because if I didn't, I wouldn't have done those things. And I generally come away thinking I did my job well today. Wow. <laughs> Uh, and then I think you, and people that's are too hard on themselves. That's how yeah, you exactly. sleep so well. <laughs> Don't need to put it in my calendar after all. Absolutely. <laughs> Just come Just home the... with a smug satisfaction and pat myself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I generally feel like I've never done enough, like, at all. So I'm, I'm always like... I'm always overestimating what I can achieve in a day. I did try at one point, again, always trying things to make myself feel better about productivity or do it better, where I was like, okay, I really just need to pick like two or three things and say that if I do those today, I've hit my productivity goals. But that would have meant like deferring some pretty vital tasks for weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Be like, well, what day is it going to be two or three things that I'm actually going to do that bit of work and it would be pushed back miles because because of client work etc yeah so no i i definitely have the opposite whereby i struggle to feel productive but i also do see it as i do now understand that that's how it is and like you know you learn how you feel about stuff and i also see feeling unproductive often for me it's like a as i said before it's like a symptom of there's something i'm not on top of that i'm putting other tasks in the way of because I don't want to I don't want to look under that stone you know and see how that bit of the business is going because I'm worried it's not going well or something like that so I definitely have learned that that feeling is not one you know I've sometimes made myself feel productive by not working so rather than going flat out all day if I do something like get a haircut my god take that half hour to go and get my haircut I can finish that day feeling more productive because maybe that, you know, it was that, it was my hair that was the problem. No, it was that, like, (laughs) it was that, it was that lack of like roundedness to the day that I was missing, not just like, oh, I didn't get enough work done. So it's kind of like, I think it's like trying to, yeah, I kind of have to try and understand why I'm feeling not productive because I can't actually do more. So it's a case of like making, making calls on, on why you're feeling like that and trying, trying to fix that if you see what i mean like you're not going to fix it by just doing more work yeah yeah and i guess i always try to make the i don't think i maybe i do try to make it this way consciously but there's never like a whole list of things i need to get done in a day that are the same type of thing it's always Mm. quite a diverse range of things that need to be done and i think that in itself helps you feel like you've done more because you sort of spend more topics more verticals Mm -hmm. rather than just having an endless checklist on one type of thing that you have to get done in one day it's much easier to feel like perhaps you haven't achieved as much if if you set yourself too much in one area and yeah it it just gets on top of you and and you you can't get through it all and there's then still more ahead that you've got to complete I think being a business owner, you're in the you know unique position where you, because you wear so many hats, there's so many different things you can do compared to perhaps some of your employees who you hire to do much more specific, targeted, tailored jobs. Yeah, where you have the privilege of being able to diversify what you do a bit, and and by mixing things up, it yeah I I find I feel like I I have achieved a bit more. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I know it does, and I think. Also, there's you feel more productive when you're working on the right stuff as well. So I saw a great diagram once, which I'm going to explain out loud, which had like the importance of a task on one axis. So there's diagrams like a graph. I should have started with that. Importance of the task on one axis and the like urgency of it on the other axis. And then, so you've got like you can then cut that into four of things that aren't urgent and aren't important, are urgent but not important, are not urgent but important, and are important and urgent. And I think as a business owner, 
you spend all your time in that urgent important space but you have to mix it up with some stuff from the important but not urgent because that's what's going to that's probably more likely to drive the business forward. So that's the stuff like documenting that process, not just doing it. So you're like, I've got to do this thing, that's urgent. And then I haven't got time to actually write down the steps I took to do it so that maybe one day someone else could do it, which mm-hmm. actually is a more long-term, you know, of more long-term value. So it's kind of making sure that you spend some time on those things that are like going to be important in six months' time because if you're just reacting and doing things like right at that tip of what comes in, then you just can feel like it's not your decisions. Like you're not, you know, you're not operating with free will. You're just being thrown things and having to handle them. And I think it's really important to shift over. I'll try and find a a picture of it <laughs> so you can stick it in the okay. show notes. Well, or if you do find it. it, or drop it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is, it's difficult to understand what falls in each of those boxes. Like you say, I mean, we all give ourselves tasks of, oh, I've got to write a blog post about this. And, you know, you always put it as one of those low priority tasks. And you think, oh, no one's going to see it. It's not going to do that mm. much. You know, it's not going to get seen a couple hundred times in the next few months or something. Best case scenario. But you never know that writing that blog post could, a couple of months down the line, lead someone to your site organically that reads it really agrees with what you have to say and gets in touch about a project that they have in mind and could win you a whole lot of business to carry you forward for another couple of months and therefore if you had realized that at the time it would have jumped way up the priority list it's really hard to tell sometimes what is important and what isn't and i, I yeah. try not to obviously there are things that are important and are time sensitive and need to be done immediately and tomorrow so yeah, I mean, I think with the blog thing, it's if you, it's if you, you know, if you think having a blog is important, mm. I consider it to be important. So therefore, yeah. writing blog posts is also important because you don't have a blog without that. Mm-hmm. And but it's never urgent. Yes, it's making sure that you do spend some time on those things that aren't absolutely demanding to be done right away, because otherwise they'll never happen. You know, you could look at it as well as being like, um, yeah, if we wanted to expand and take on a another developer now if that was because there was a project on now we'd be putting that as urgent important and i'd be considering calling recruiters i'd be pushing out job ads and things like that mm-hmm. but whereas really i should always be one eye on it's important to know developers that i could hire and put some effort mm-hmm. into networking some effort mm-hmm. into into thinking of ways to expand my network of developers so that when that moment comes and it becomes urgent as well as important, it's easier to do and you get a better result. So it's it's those... It's long-term versus short-term, a lot of it, isn't it? That's it. That's it. It's trying to live um, in that box as well of those two. And, of course, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be in the boxes of things that aren't important. That's the other thing. I think, I think the guy that the guy that drew this who's probably famous and I've forgotten who it is, uh, you know, was like, you know, you shouldn't be never doing things that aren't urgent and aren't important and things that are urgent but not important, you should be delegating them. Yeah, if you can. Yeah. If you can. If you can. <laughs> <laughs> but I always feel bad about delegating as well, by the way. That's another thing that makes me feel bad, if, especially if I delegate bad things. Yeah. Or boring things. Yeah, sometimes it's got to be done. But if if they haven't got anyone to to delegate to because you don't have someone who has those skill sets in the business, True. then you know it falls on your shoulders as the business owner, and you know you've got to knuckle down and get on with it. And to me, it all really just comes down to effective prioritization. Mm. And a lot of people find that quite difficult. I'm one of the lucky people who who finds prioritization relatively easy, and I can look at a whole list of things and justify the order in which they should be done, or if they should be done at all. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people I know struggle with that and it can be difficult, but it, I think it's key to successfully making a successful use of your time and coming mm. away feeling like you've been productive because you've been able to justify the order in which you've done things and therefore the things at the top of that list were the most important in your eyes. And that, to me, is one of the key things in, in making me feel good about, about my day and how productive I've been. Yeah, definitely. That's That's what that beginning bit of my day is for, is you do have to spend some time like analyzing the list of things to do and working out 
you know what order you're going to try and tackle things in. It normally goes out the window, but at least it's been at least it's been done. And she tried. Yeah, yeah, and and it, and it <laughs> helps. It does help. It does. You know, some kind of time with a slightly clear mind to just have a look at them and go, well, what makes sense to try and do today? One final thing, mm-hmm. an interesting slight aside, and you're obviously charged with being creative. Do you find that not being productive, like as in doing unproductive things, can lead to more create? You know, can lead to a creative outcome? Does that make sense? Yeah, like that YouTube time, John. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Did you come <laughs> off the back of the YouTube time, and then <laughs> and then solve the problem? I think I think you need time. I think you can expect anyone, you know, yourself or your employees, to sort of come in and give you seven and a half hours of 100% productivity. That's just not realistic. You know, people need time to feel inspired to mm-hmm. to have. They need distractions in their day in order to make sure that they they're not just getting tired of doing what they're doing and lose interests. And I I feel particularly that taking a, a short break from especially doing creative work or production work in general like you know stepping away from it for 10 to 15 minutes and coming back a little bit later really helps clear the mind and, and mm-hmm. give you a fresh perspective you know it's that typical shower time thing right you, you, th- you think about something all yeah. day you go home hop in a shower and and all of a sudden uh, the time when you're relaxing or as you're just going to bed you start thinking about all these things I keep a waterproof pad and pencil in the shower. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> so I can write some of this stuff down. Yeah, <laughs> although it's, it's recently been replaced by a sh- Bluetooth shower speaker, I can just shove something into my to-do list from Siri. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting we're getting some insight insights into your home life this week. <laughs> when when you switch when you really start to switch off is when you really start your brain just switches into a mode where ideas pop into your mind that you just weren't thinking of when you were really focused on it because yeah it's, it's a typical thing that everyone experiences and i think you need that throughout your day as well it's just which is why i think having a sort of diverse range of things to work mm-hmm. on is good because uh, if, if you're just working on one thing all day it is, is very difficult to sort of keep your head down and and stay focused and produce you know no one can produce the best work they've ever done all the time ebbs and flows and you need to give people the space to be able to find the, the creativity and the skill that they need to be able to pull together a really excellent design with whatever they're doing yeah be that you know developing or or designing or wireframing or any kind of production work in our field you know i think you need to give give people a little bit of space how much is up to you i guess <laughs> i definitely agree with that and i also definitely I think about things in that way, like generally here, here, there, as I'm going about things, and then I use that pressure of a deadline to actually put them into a coherent form and to put it out in front of people. Mm-hmm. And like you know, that doesn't feel organised. It doesn't feel great, but it is. You know, that is how it works. And I think just recognising, I think like sort of productivity. If I was going to round it off, productivity, it requires like an understanding of yourself and like how what you know when you're good and when you're not good and mm-hmm. and sort of you know like just taking a, a look at how you feel at that point in time can often tell you what to work on um and what to try and achieve and i think if you get into that in touch with like that side of things you can end up being more productive i think and as you start to hire people to to sort of take over roles that you're doing I always say to people who have young businesses, if you come to a point where you need someone to do something specific uh, like your business or design or development or anything, really HR, whatever, whatever stage you're at where you need someone to start taking things over, think carefully about the level of the person you want to bring in. As a, as a small and new business, it's often tempting to just go for the cheapest possible person you can find, get someone mm. junior to take it over. That isn't going to solve all your problems. What's that going? To, all that's going to do is give you a big training overhead to get that person up to speed on what you need to do. Uh, sometimes, especially when you're smaller, it can make a lot more sense to hire someone who has more experience, someone more senior, who is more capable of taking on board a lot of the responsibility you want to put onto that role, and therefore free you up 
which is the real reason you're hiring them, especially when you're small, so that you can focus on other things. So their onboarding and them getting up to being a productive member of staff is is a much shorter pathway. Whereas, you know, if you hire someone junior, you could be talking months or even years, you know, it could take six months to train someone up to be really, to get to a level of productivity where you can step away enough to not be completely hands-on. And then, you know, maybe they only stay with you for 18 months anyway. And you've only got a year of really productive productive time out of them for all the time that you put in so just bear that in mind yeah that harks back to the investing in kind of documenting the process and if you've Mm. got those like the more you've done that then the more you can get away with hiring someone a bit more junior because they've got the instructions to learn off you don't have to be teaching them directly but yeah you're completely right like it's it's uh but who does that (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. Writes, People that have read the books. It was the time to write the rule book. Yeah, I read the books. So I know it's time to do it. <laughs> I just, I just bite the bullet and hire someone more senior. That's the yeah, habit. The mythical <laughs> productivity people that that taunt me so with their medium posts and their books and their podcasts. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Get productive. Yeah. Write a medium post about it. Write a book. I'll buy it. Well, I won't. Dan will, and he'll tell me all about it. <laughs> I'll try it. Just let me know what I've got to do, please. So I think there is no there is no golden rule. There is no there is no system that suits everyone. You do what works for you. You try a little bit of everything, mix things up a bit. You know, everyone's different, and you you just got to work within the bounds of what you know you're capable of doing. And don't be too hard on yourself. That's what I'd say. Mm, that's definitely it. Don't beat yourself up for being unproductive. Yeah, because as long as you've done something positive for your business or a project today you've been productive you've done well you've done your job yeah cool (laughs) excellent so thanks to everyone for listening i've been john dark at dark john on twitter from every interaction you can find us online at everyinteraction.com on the webs and at every interact on twitter if you would like to contact us about this episode or find any of our past episodes you can do so on the website perspective.fm or you can send us an email directly to get at perspective.fm you can find some you can find us on itunes and as always we appreciate any ratings and reviews you might leave us there uh, tweet about the show share it on facebook everything helps uh, you can find us in all of your podcasting apps of choice just search for perspective fm in google music apple Podcasts app overcast pocket app casts uh, whatever it is that you use and dan where can people find out about you Personally, I'm at Gentis Maximus on Twitter. Lighthouse London are wearelighthouse.com at wearelighthouse on Twitter. That's where you can find me. Wonderful. All those links along with everything that we've talked about today, they should be on the website along with the show notes for this episode. So thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, Dan. Cheers, John.